The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 164 of Mr. Benfica. I'm your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, coming to you on a Monday night this time, about 24 hours now after the derby at at Alvalade. Uh, of course, as you know, Sporting 2, Benfica 2, and uh, the championship plans that will have to wait another week. And unfortunately, this is very, very nerve-wracking for a lot of Benficistas, of course. And it's just in the nature of so many to believe that it will go wrong until it until it doesn't, right? And so many fans have such a hard time getting any hopes up, and I understand it. It's been so many years, so many years of this. And no matter how strong our teams are, no matter how well-built a team can be, it always goes down to the final day for us for some reason, with the exception of I think the first title in the in the Tetra where we won it on Easter Sunday against Olianense and went and played I think three or four rounds after that. Um, it it always seems to come down to the last day. I know we did win one on the penultimate day as well. We won it. We drew nil nil at Kimaranj and that because Porto had also drawn back when they used to play these matches at the same time on the penultimate day. The Liga Portugal doesn't want to do that anymore. Uh, make too much sense. They want Porto to, to to have the advantage, of course. And they 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 did every the league did everything in their power. Don't believe anything else. But the league did everything in their power to make this go to the last day. If you have to give Porto four penalties, you give Porto four penalties. If you have to call absolutely nothing in Benfica's favor, you call absolutely nothing in Benfica's favor. And I mean, the fact that Sporting Easters are even calling for a foul on that tying goal in stoppage time is ridiculous. There is no foul anywhere in that vicinity. Okay, there is absolutely no foul there. Kowach goes, goes Taremi diving for the pool just on the defensive end. I still thought, to be honest with you, that the VAR was going to overturn that goal. I really believed that they were going to call that back. With Ugo Miguel in the VAR booth, I, I don't trust that guy with anything. I've said before, I wouldn't trust him with my son's U7 matches. 
and here he is in the Liga Portugal. And um, he's the VAR in a match like this, and that's just absolute. We've seen the type of, uh, let's call it gymnastics, he's done to get in, you know, to get the certain results when um, operating from the VAR booth. I thought Jean Pinedo was absolutely pitiful in this match. As bad as Benfica played in the first 45 minutes, nobody on in the stadium, nobody on the pitch was worse than the referee Pinedo in this match. He was just horrendous. At least four times we should have had corner kicks that were given as goal kicks. He keeps allowing the persistent fouling. And whenever Sporting players would go to the ground, he would blow the whistle and it would take three, four minutes to get the play back up and running. They would lay there and lay there and lay there. And that second half just, it seemed like it was one team trying to play and one team trying to run the clock out. That's exactly what it was. And that's why we came back, because they did that. So, of course, you know they're not going to learn their lesson from that. And uh, this this is the the reality of Portuguese football. I watched last night, okay? I stayed up late, which I shouldn't do. Um, I stayed up late both nights this weekend, and uh, I'm a mess today on this Monday. I mean, I have been absolutely useless at work. But I stayed up watching the Mexican playoffs okay they're in the semifinals second leg the two biggest clubs in mexico america versus chivas they hate each other this is like boca river they hate each other and they don't even come anywhere close to the to the you know shithousery that you see in the portuguese league week in and week out they don't lay down for five hours and and waste time they don't they don't uh, the 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 time that the ball is in play is way more than in the Portuguese league. The two teams just play each other. They play hard, sure, but they just play each other and they play the game. They don't get into all of the other nonsense that that this league, our league, is just polluted with. And um, again, ever <laughs> what it takes for Benfica to be champion, you're seeing right now. You can build the best Benfica you want, and they find ways to just make it that much harder. Um, yes, Benfica had a horrible first half. There's no question about that. And they had a valiant second half. And some fans don't want to see that, don't want to accept that. And I respect their, your opinion. If, if uh, you know, you you come in with the opinion that that Benfica needs to come in to win every match, I get it. I think Roger made a crucial mistake in leaving Tino out of the 11. I said on the last episode I expected him in the 11. He didn't go in the 11. Of course, I'm not at, at training. I'm not in the conversations. I don't know what his fitness level really is, but him coming in, it, listen, he, he was the one that scrapped that loose ball to get it over to, to Joan Evs, to Johnny Snows, which led to the tying goal in stoppage time. We didn't have that scrappiness in the first half. We didn't. Now, the team as a whole found that in the second half, but I thought that starting with Tino would have would have kind of closed up that way up the middle, the way that Sporting were coming down, and um, I think Roger got this one wrong. He he went, you know, for a high press on a, a, a team that plays with the back three, and they, they managed to pass their way out. They're actually quite good about it. Somebody tweeted this, you know, after the match, and it's a, it's a very valid point is that uh, going into this match trying to press this team was exactly how Arsenal got got eliminated by them in the Europa League. And, and yeah, after watching this match, and I haven't watched, I'll admit I have not watched a lot of Sporting this season. I have no reason to watch them. Okay, they're not my club. 
The I have no interest in their results. They're not, not. I'll be honest. They're not even my real hated rival. I mean, they're just there. Okay. Obviously, the team I want to see lose every week isn't even them because they weren't anywhere near the title picture this year. And that's not meant as an insult. I mean, it's just they keep talking about this, the the Derby Eterno. It's not really that. It is for them. It's not for us. We have a bigger rival. And I and again, if you listen to the words of our anthem, we, you know, the words in Portuguese, nunca encontrou rival neste nosso Portugal. We never found a rival in our in this Portugal, in our Portugal. And, and that, to an extent, is true. And I think we, we, we tried to live up to that, but what we've seen in the past 40 years, you know, when it comes to the blue and white prison stripes, that's on a whole different level. And, and right now, any any real, you know, sporting hatred I feel is towards them. It's not towards Sporting. I mean, come on. I was even somewhat, I was even somewhat happy for them when they won the league a few seasons ago. Like, let's be real for a minute, okay? I know they come into this match wanting blood and they, and they, they sense it. And this was their final and for us, it was just another match. And again, it showed in the first 45 minutes. And that's not the right approach. I'm not I'm not defending that approach. It's not the right approach. We have to understand that. And I think Roger will take from this first season in Portugal what he needs to learn is that these matches, uh, these derbies and these classicos are very, very uh, different than the other matches. Okay, they're different. They come at us differently. You see a sporting in that first 45 minutes that they haven't seen all season. Let's be honest. I heard them saying it. They haven't seen that all season. And it's because they hate us that much. They really get up to play us. The thought of taking the title from us is almost bigger to them. Dare I say, maybe it is even bigger to them than to win it for themselves. There is a real thing as a dragato. There really is a... Those two teams really come together. They root for each other like there's no tomorrow when it, against us. That That is real. That's not an in, invention. That is something that is real. And the irony of it is Pinto da Costa has, con, has convinced his entire fan base that, that it's us and Spartan that have that kind of that kind of uh, mutual understanding. And it's, it couldn't be further from the truth, as we saw yesterday and evidenced yesterday. And as we saw evidenced by, you know, threats all weekend of, of violence towards any Benfica fans found not sitting in the designated s- section. You know, they, they're threatening people about Benfica fans buying buying tickets off of their friends who are Sportingistas. Very similar to what we saw at the Luge last year when Porto came in. Yes, there's one big... F- thing that this club needs to correct it is that when we go into these matches with a chance to take it all we need a more of a killer instinct and we don't have it. we want to play nice football we want to play not, we want to play uh, i said this during the match i said we're just too damn nice i mean gonzalo gonzalo gedge gets kicked by somebody i forget who he gets completely kicked taken down goes down and the first thing he does is get up and ask the guy that kicked him if he's all right. We saw this last season with Darwin. He's getting kicked by Pep, and then he's helping him up. Like, why are we so soft in these in these matchups? When emotion is so high and it's such a motivation for our opponents, we come in mentally unprepared for that. And this is an improvement that the club has to make from this season to next season. Um Rescuing the point late was extremely important. I know it doesn't feel like it for most fans, 
But I, I'm doing the math in my head throughout the match, and I'm saying, you know, if you only take a one-point lead into the final day, you're leaving way too much room for something to go wrong. And I don't trust any referee they sent to this match on Sunday. Which, hey, bravo. The Portuguese League has finally announced today, today on Monday, on Monday, six days before the, the end of the season, they've announced the match day and time for the Liga Portugal for next weekend. Round of applause to the Peanut Gallery, to the Mickey Mouse show that is the Liga Portugal and their organizational practices and how they, they schedule these matches and how they just run a championship. It's absolute third world. It can, I say this week after week. I'm not going to rant again this week. I know, I'm sure that, that a lot of people uh, shut the pot off last week when I went off on the deep end. So I'm not going to do that. But once again, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. I always point to this because I it's where I live, but MLS Decision Day is in no is in the end of October. They already have all the match kickoff times in stone. They're already etched in stone. You can go buy your ticket today for matches in October. Okay? And you know that the entire Eastern Conference plays at five thirty and the entire Western Conference plays at eight thirty Eastern time. That's already set in stone. But the Liga Portugal waits until they try to avoid playing matches at the same day, at the same time, I should say, if they can. They almost had it to where this this was moments away from from this final day being completely irrelevant because of the way they run this league and the way they stagger out these these start times. There's almost nothing to play for, if not, because I, I believe if if we had another five minutes, I think Benfica win this match. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, Sporting were hanging for dear life. They had made poor substitutions. They had left nothing on the pitch to go for the win once we once we equalized. And uh, to everyone saying that that Ruben Amorim, uh, you know, gave a masterclass to Roger Schmidt. Well, the second half it was the it was the other way around. It was the other way around. And you know this is the other thing. And I before I get into this match, this is the other thing. Everybody, I'm seeing people calling for sacking the manager, regardless of whether or not we win next week. And that's first of all insane. Okay, this idea that the answer to everything is is sacking the manager is partially why football, Portuguese football, is in the toilet, and it is in the toilet. Okay, it's part of the reason that it is in the toilet. You wanna you wanna go to to. English football, the reason Leeds United is likely getting relegated is because they just, they're on their third manager. Had they trusted their first one to, to work his way out of it, they probably would be safe right now. They probably would have found that form. When you change things, you think you're going to get this automatic bump from a new manager, and people believe in this this bump religiously, but it doesn't always happen. Passos Ferreira is getting relegated because they cut they cut Cesar Peixoto's legs out from him. In that first stint, and they sacked him. They brought in, they brought in Jose Mota, who's useless, and ended up improved that by sacking him and bringing back Peixoto. Now Mota's a hero at Farense because he got them promoted. This is Portuguese football. This is the clownery. This is the circus that is Portuguese football, and the idea that just sacking managers is the answer for everything. That's that's insane, and. Um, 
yeah, he got the, he got this match wrong, a little bit wrong, but he also made good substitutions to correct that. On the other hand, the other manager got the starting thing right. Ruben got things right at the start, and then he mismanaged the second half. He had a team that was that was outplaying. He had a team that was in full control of the match. That first half was completely dominant. In fact, at halftime, I'm seeing people tweeting that we should sack Roger and pay the Klaus, Klaus love, which they wouldn't accept, to bring to bring Ruben Amuri in as our manager. Like, and then in the second half, he bottles it. I mean, you'd really think that all of these problems are going to be solved with changing managers all the time. It's, it is something I'm just tired of, of arguing with people. It's something I'm tired of reading. It's something that... Really, look at the match. Analyze what happens, okay? People have their favorites that they love to, to pick on. That first half was 1-11, to 11, a poor performance. You cannot single out any individuals for poor play, okay? As- however, aside from those five minutes where they scored, six minutes where Sporting scored those two goals... Defensively, we were well positioned each and every time, and we won most of those balls. They, those two goals were the two chances they had. We'll get to that when we get into the match. But anyway, uh, that's just some stuff off of my chest right there. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'll start breaking down this match for you. This is episode 164 of Mr. Benfica. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And, of course, if you haven't already, please follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinho. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And follow the show at Benfica Mr. And on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. I will be right back and we'll start breaking down this match for everyone. Carrega Benfica, carrega Benfica. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos 
And welcome back to episode 164 of Mr. Benfica. That was Reconquista, as you know. And uh, Marisa Liz, the singer in that song, right? That's her song. Uh, I had I had the privilege of of watching her perform on Saturday night, this past Saturday night. I was at the International Portuguese Music Awards. First time I'd ever attended the event. It was uh, not far from me down in Providence, Rhode Island at the Providence Performing Arts Center. And uh, it was a great celebration of Portuguese music, uh, Portuguese talent, Portuguese culture. And uh, I really, really enjoyed myself Um I was severely underdressed for the event, as uh, most people dressed like they were at the Grammys. And I had jeans in my Mr. Benfica t-shirt because part of the purpose of the trip was to advertise this podcast. So that's what I did. I was a walking billboard. But uh, I saw another guy there in a Benfica jersey with a scarf on. So I thought that um, he was the best dressed of the night, to be honest. And uh, it was a great time. Like I said, Marisa Lee's performed so did Diogo Pissara so did uh so did José Cid that was the highlight for me because I've been a big fan of José Cid for years and uh, he played like he won a lifetime achievement award or a career career recognition award and proceeded to play about a 30 minute set after that and that was pretty damn awesome uh, it was a great, great night. Toy was in the house too. Toy sang, and he had all the Veliotas, you know, jumping out of their seats, uh, dancing to his music. The guy can still go, and it's amazing uh, the longevity of some of these careers. But uh, yeah, Marisa Liz was very good. She sang, she sang her version of Antonio Variasonjes Guerra Nuclear, and um, yeah, she had a really good performance. Uh, Plutonio was in the house too, uh, representing the hip hop community. Uh, overall, a great, great night, and um, some some very good award winners, and uh, I really enjoyed myself. So if you ever if you're ever in in the area of of Rhode Island, and you have the opportunity to go to the International Portuguese Music Awards, the Pima Epimas, I think they call them IPMAs, uh, definitely definitely uh, give it a try. It's if you like Portuguese music, if you like Portuguese culture, it's it's very much a celebration of that. All right. Moving on to this football match now, Classico. I really, um, it was funny talking about going to the awards. I, I uh, had made a a plan earlier that day. I've had tickets for a while, but um, I did say that if Porto would have lost to uh, to Famalicão and we had we become champions. Uh, I was not going to go to that. I was going to be sitting at home watching BTV and watching the the party at the Marques the whole time. But uh, that didn't happen, so I got in the car and I got down there thinking, um, you know, I think I was going to be late because it said the show starts at 7 o'clock. At 7.20 p.m., uh, <laughs> the graphics on the video board said... Please take your seats. The show will start at 7 p.m. sharp. So that must be 7 p.m. Portuguese time, late as usual. But it was uh, it was a great night, again, like I said. But I, w- I really wish Benfica... I wanted to win this title on the pitch, though. So I really was hoping Porto would, would draw and that we could win it with... You know, we could win the title with the draw that we ended up getting now. Uh, Taremi scoring four penalties makes a complete... A complete mockery of the race for the, the the silver ball that is given to the league's top scorer. An absolute mockery of it. I'm sorry. There is that. There is nothing you can do to convince me that that there was four legitimate penalties. Um, complete complete robbery. And uh, I again, Fumley count quiet. Braga quiet. They don't mind. I guess they want to finish third. 
It's 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 like everybody is in on it. All right, it seems like it. So Benfica go into this match knowing they need to win to win the title, and uh, I really thought we were gonna come out and and just put them in their place in this match. I really expected more out of Benfica in this one. I thought that the first, I thought we were gonna come out strong, score early like we'd been doing in the last couple matches. And from there, well, not the last couple of matches, but in like we did the week before. And from there, really control the match. Like I said, I was surprised to see Tino left off of the 11. Um, I was not surprised to see Auschwitz start it right back. I knew uh, if if Bao was only being subbed in in the 90th minute a week earlier, there was no way he was going to be fit to start this match. And if he can't play 90 minutes, you can't start. That's That's just the way it is if, if he had hurt himself we would have been forced to burn a substitution in the first couple of minutes so uh that's why Auschwitz plays at right back I know it's not ideal but it is it is the reality I mean you're not going to put Gilberto there at this point it, it it's pretty clear so again um disappointed that he wasn't ready because you saw as he when he came in uh, it made a big difference we're, we're much more dangerous going forward when when uh Alexander Ba is in our lineup. But anyways, we'll start with the lineup for the Lions. Uh, they got their, their backup goalie, uh, Franco Israel, the Uruguayan, playing in goal uh, behind the back three. I mean, in front of, yeah, behind the back three. And the back three, no real surprises there. Coach, Diomande, and Inacio. Uh, the two wingbacks, Nuno Santos and Ricardo Isgayu. The double pivot in midfield. Uh, probably, not probably, I'd say definitely Sporting's two best players on the day, Ugarte and Morita, and they're playing behind the three attackers, uh, Francisco Trincão, Pot, and Marcus Edwards, and uh, again, that's a, that's, a tough, uh, that's a tough matchup for us, no matter how you slice it. We struggle against back threes, and... Um, that's a good midfield as well. I mean, uh, the the double pivot there in midfield. Uh, again, I, I would have, ha- unless he absolutely could not go 90 minutes. And I can't imagine that's the case because he has rested quite a bit in the in the past weeks. I would go with Tino in the middle to to close that up and, and to close down those passing lanes for, for Ugarte and, Mur- and Morita. But Benfica didn't go that way. Roger went with a different, uh, different approach. He went with what he's been doing. So he decided to stick with what, as they say, isn't broke, don't fix it. Well, it wasn't quite the right matchup. But he goes with Odie in goal. Uh, like I said, Auschwitz as the right back. Uh, Tony Silva and Nico Otamendi uh, in the back. Uh, center back pairing with Grimaldo down the left, and I can't believe I think anyone who uh, wanted Grimaldo benched for this match. Uh, I hope you've realized how ridiculous that is. Uh, again, he only picked up yet another assist in this one and got the comeback started with a perfectly played ball into the into the area right onto Auschnitz's forehead and right into the back of the net. So there, there you go. Uh, he has to play. Okay, the double pivot. It is the same as it's been. Shikinu and Johnny Snows. Uh, in front of them, the same three we've been seeing, João Mario, Rafa, and David Nerj, with Ramush starting at the striking at the striker position. Now, clearly with the amount of pressing Befica tried to do in this match, only Ramush could have started. Uh, that said, though, uh, you can't deny that when, when Musa came in, he changed the game. 
in that he created opportunities for himself. So, does Roger have a decision to make for this coming match? I think Roger's going to go. Honestly, I think Roger's going to go with this same exact lineup one more time. I do think so. If he makes a change, it will be it will be that Bach comes in and Nedish. I mean, uh, not Nedish. Excuse me. Bach comes in and Shikinu will be replaced by Auschnitz. That's my prediction. That that's going to be the change that Roger makes uh, this coming Sunday. Now it's going to be a Sunday kickoff against Santa Clara. Um, no, Saturday. Excuse me. Saturday the. 28th. Let me see here. Saturday the 27th. I'm gonna double check that for you right now before I misspeak with the rest of the with the rest of the the season on the line here with the the upcoming weekend. I know it was announced today. I read it in Abala. I will pull it up again and uh, let's see here. Abala is so filled with with ads. It's not even funny. Oh wow! And Abala's headline right now. This I would. This is news to me. This is breaking, I guess, at the moment. Saying that Andrea Silva is being apontada as Aguirre, being pointed towards the Eagles. Benfica in the market for a striker named Andrea Silva. Listen, I am always a fan of... This is so off topic, but I am always a fan of taking players from, from our rivals. That's just... It has it worked out more times than it has not. And uh, especially one that can... You know, score goals like that to re- if he's going to replace uh, if he's going to place Gonzalo Ramos, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, but that's not what I'm looking at right now. Um, but that's an interesting headline. We'll uh, keep our eyes open to that. I don't really like to get into the rumor and innuendo, but but yes, the the match with Santa Clara is Saturday, 18 hours in in Portugal 6 p.m. Portuguese time 1 p.m. my time here on the east coast of the United States so that's 10 a.m. on the west coast and everything in between check your local listings to see when it will come up but back to this match here all right so um i think that's going to be the change but if you could get off to an absolutely horrible start i mean uh, looking over this match, right, and I mean the the stats early in the in the first half. As I look at what Goal Point was was tweeting, and um, in the thirtieth minute, for example, Goal Point tweeted that uh, Sporting had twenty one forward passes completed to Benfica's eight at that point, and Gonzalo Inacio alone had six, so he almost had as many forward passes as Benfica did the entire first half. And uh, at halftime, when you look at the stats here, Sporting had nine shots to two, five of them on goal. Benfica had yet to force a save from this backup goalkeeper. Uh, Sporting had 17 actions in Benfica's area, while Benfica t- had nine. Six corners to, be- to Sporting, only three to Benfica. 89% pass efficiency for Sporting, 81% efficiency on the vertical pass, while Benfica were 83 and 75. They each had nine actions in the opponent's midfield, but Sporting had a 62% ball possession over Benfica, and Benfica's not a team that plays that well without the ball. Okay, uh, Even in the Champions League, we saw them see a lot more of the ball than that. And um, again, Benfica were just walked all over in the, in the first half. Looking at the player ratings, I mean, all the top players were Sporting players. It was it was Morita, it was Trincão, it was Diamande, all 7.0, 6.9, 6.7. Rafa was Benfica's top-rated player in the first half with a 4.2. That may that may surprise some people, but 
Rafa did create a few of the opportunities in the first half with his pace again, but unable to get by. There was one point where he was in a good position, looked like he was going to be able to run in towards goal, and he, he slowed down for a split second, and Quach sco- uh, slowed him down, and then he couldn't get by Quach. He's just too long to, to, to dribble around. Um, it was it was a first half that it is what it is. Uh, Spartan completely dominated, as I just read you the the stat line. Um, again, five five shots on goal for Spartan in the first half alone, uh, forcing five saves. That means from from Odie, and I know Odie doesn't look good in the in the video. He doesn't look good, like they say, no fotografia. Um, he doesn't look good on the on those goals, especially on the first one. However, let's let's not. Let's not let Tony Silva off the hook either. Okay, he he is a central now. He is a center back. He's a national team center back. He's been to a World Cup. He cannot make that kind of a mistake in a game like this on the road. Okay, where you need a victory. You cannot offer that ball up on a platter like that for uh, Trinco. That ball was there. His foot was there. He needs to make clean contact with that ball and clear it. End of story. Uh, he doesn't. The ball skips through. It's not the first time we've seen a mistake from Antonio Silva either. Okay, let let. I know he's young, but if you're gonna be Benfica's starting back and you're gonna be this guy that is gonna be courted by Real Madrid and by the biggest clubs in the world, you have to clean up that play. That mistake cannot happen. Okay. Um, before that, there was also a mistake. Uh, there was a slide tackle that was missed. It was not by him. It was, I believe, I wish I could go back and look at it. Um, and I actually just pressed pause on the recording and I went and watched it. I was incorrect. The missed slide tackle was not, uh, was not on this play. It didn't end in a goal. I was thinking of a missed slide tackle by a Benfica player. Um, it was not on this play. It was a ball that came across to Nuno Santos. He plays it across the face of the goal, or he plays it, I shouldn't say across. It's a diagonal ball that he whips in, you know, out swinging, and Antonio Silva misses it. End of story. That's a, Listen, this is, a, this is a, a kid, but he has played most of the season in that position, pretty much all this season. He has to come, he has to clean that ball away. can blame Odie all you want because people want to, Pin everything on Odie. But um, he had... This was a shot from very close range. He made the original save. Yeah, he left the rebound there. But if that ball is cleared away, there is no question. The goalkeeper is not even part of the equation. And the ball should have been cleared away because it was right there to clear away. He missed it. Plain and simple. Um, Trincon gets his own rebound. He takes a step. He takes a touch. Does well. And uh, buries it in the top corner as because defenders are trying to get back and cover the cover the goal, but there was no way they were going to get it there. Uh, Sporting take the lead. That was in the 39th minute. Uh, just a few minutes before that, we saw them nearly take the lead when Ishgayu, uh comes down the right flank, plays a brilliant ball in, just a perfectly placed driven ball across the face of goal. And Pot misses it just the same way that Antonio Silva missed uh, missed the one that ended up being a goal for them. So, really, we were lucky not to be down 2-0 at this point. And, um, again, the team got... I thought the team was going to kind of settle down after that. I thought we would get, you know, see this out until halftime. As a manager, and that message has to be compu- communicated at that stage in the game, when you're in the, 
you know, five minutes from halftime. You have to get to halftime without the lead uh, being doubled, for, or I should say the deficit being doubled. And Befica, rather than doing what we've seen them do so many times, which is just settle themselves when they go down, they get a little bit rattled. And we see Spartan get a corner kick in the 44th minute. And Nuno Sanch plays another perfect ball right onto the head of Diamundi. And he does a perfect header. The marking was piss poor. Okay. You cannot, absolutely cannot blame the goalkeeper on this one. This ball is headed perfectly. It hits the ground just just a meter or two in front of Odie. It comes off the ground fast. It's spinning. They're very, very few. The goalies that save this are few and far between. Uh, you cannot pin this one on him. I, I will I will I will argue that with anybody. You can you can blame him on that first one. It's 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 bad, it's ugly, but you cannot blame him on this one. Uh, this was just poor marking. There was no there was no nothing else you can say about it. It was poor marking. It's a set piece. You cannot leave a guy that alone. Um, and you cannot leave you cannot leave him to be marked by Grimaldo like Benfica did. Someone who has, you know, six inches on Grimaldo in height, just simply leaps up higher than Grimaldo possibly could and heads it into the far post. It's a brilliant goal. And uh, Sporting take a 2-0 lead. And uh, panic starts setting in for Benfica Nation, no question about it. But uh, I was hopeful that at halftime that the manager would, would you know, get his... Get his his troops in order. This forced substitutions. If anything, this is, could have been the second goal. May have given Sporting a little bit of a false sense of security, and that it did force some movements from Befica, some some player moves. And we saw that at halftime. We saw Ba come on, and um, I'm glad Ba was cleared to play 45 minutes uh, because we desperately needed him. Uh, Jean Mario taken off at halftime. Just an absolute nightmare of a return to to Alvalade for Jean Mario. I I was hopeful he was going to break out in this game and and really stick it to his old team. But you know who stuck it to their old team in this game? It was Nuno Santos. Uh, hate to say it because he's turned into just a dislike, just a unlikable character there. Uh, with, he talks a lot. He he has some of the Otavio characteristics in him where he throws himself to the ground. He complains to the referee a lot. He he finishes his, you know, he comes in late when he needs to on a tackle. And uh, he gets two two brilliant assists against us. I mean, two absolutely perfectly placed balls. And with us being in the market for a left back, it's, it's kind of something that it's like, yeah. But uh, I don't know how many crosses we have had all season that just do not end up on the mark. And uh, in this game, at least, his did end on the mark. Benfica can't wait to get to halftime, and they do get to halftime. It down 2-0, of course. And Roger's got to have a talk in the in the, in the the team room, obviously, at halftime. Uh, he makes that substitution, like I said. On comes, comes Ba, off comes Romario. And um, Auctionist in midfield nearly, he, he nearly gets, uh, you know, nearly cuts the lead in half right in the first minute of the second half. And uh, right from the first kick, actually, you could see Benfica had woken up. Um, 
They were moving crisper. They were closing down spaces a lot quicker. They were winning balls. They were moving it. And this ball found its way to, to Freddie Auschnitz on the edge of the area, and he hits the ball. He just doesn't put it quite enough in the corner so that when it, it curves back, it, you know, back towards goal, it's within the reach of, uh, of Franco Israel, and he makes the save and even catches it. Um, but it was a good sign. It was a warning shot, and um, I felt better about Bafika after this first two minutes of the second half. And Benfica continued to Sporting immediately drop back, which which I also liked seeing that. Uh, Benfica clearly were showing that they were gonna they were gonna be the boss of this half, and the ball starts moving more crisply. We start getting it onto the feet of of guys like like uh, David Nerj and even like Rafa, and we start exploiting some space. Okay. I'm not saying Rafa had a good game, but I'm saying he's starting to get something accomplished here. Uh, Grimaldo also starting to get into good spaces, starting to deliver better balls in the 49th minute. Grimaldo with a good delivery finds uh, Gonzalo Ramos with a header from the from the center of the box, but he misses just to the right, and then that was following a a set piece uh, situation after Diamonde had gone into the book for a foul on Gonzalo Ramos. So. Mefica, like I said, showing that this the Sporting are not going to get these points that easy. Uh, Ruben starts to invent a little bit. Ruben starts to do a, I don't know, a, a good George Zouge impersonation maybe when he takes off probably their most dangerous player in Marcus Edwards and replaces him with Paulinho. Thank you, Ruben Amori. Thank you. Obrigado. Okay, <laughs> because uh, this 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 made life a little easier for Benfica. Paulinho was no threat in this match, and now the threat of Marcus Edwards was gone. Um, Ishgayu would concede a corner in the 55th, and following that corner, we, we would again find Grimaldo delivering a great ball, and it finds the right foot of Frederick Auschnitz. And he fires from the center of the box, but he misses just right. And one, three minutes later, 60th minute, it's Gonzalo Ramos again, getting himself involved now. No, he's not playing as well. I mean, he's also dealing with the fact that the, the golden boot or the silver ball is gone. Uh, they have taken it from him by giving, you know, Teremi 152 penalty kicks. And... Um, I think the focus of trying to score goals is, is kind of reduced, and he's trying to do the other things now on the pitch, and he's trying to help the team however he can, and he always does that. Even when he doesn't play particularly well, he does other things when, when his finishing is not there. Uh, here he does get on the end of one, uh, and again it's Grimaldo. This is another good cross from Grimaldo, and um, make no mistake, we're going to miss Grimaldo next season. Uh, he, he finds... Ramuj again from the center of the box, and again he misses. This time he misses to the left. Grimaldo wins a free kick in the 65th as he's hacked by Paulinho. Um, six, still in the 65th, Jonevs cut down by Ugarte. And again, the referee has no yellow cards. He's got no. a lot of talkings to the Sporting. Um, very poorly managed match by the referee Pinedo. It was it was embarrassing. I mean, I I lost my mind with this guy. It was just so obvious what he was doing in this match. For much of the match, at least, sixty sixth minute, and uh, Roger makes a double substitution. Uh, 
And on comes Gonzalo Guedes for Rafa Silva. That's it for Rafa. Uh, hero two weeks ago today, unable to to make a difference. And the the team's top goal scorer also comes off. So you have subbed off the th- team's top three goal scorers here in the first 20 minutes of the second half, and the fan base is thrilled about it. I uh, don't like those kinds. I mean, yes, I think that Musa coming on is good. Um, I think he could have been more creative and maybe taken off. I don't know. He could have changed the look a little bit, maybe taken off Shikinu here uh, and brought in Musa and had had Gonzalo drop a little bit, change the look, make their defense adjust. When you do Musa for Ramush, it's too much of a like-for-like switch in this situation because we're going to have the majority of the ball. We're going to be... You're also telling Sporting by making the substitution that you're going to be whipping in crosses. Um, Musa does replace Gonzalo Ramush, like I said. And um, right in his first his first attempt, I mean his first touch on the ball, he collects the ball from Otamendi. Otamendi uh, wins it, finds him just just around the midfield circle. Uh, I think in our half of the midfield circle. And Musa turns, he plays the ball into space and outruns Sporting's defenders. I think it was Diamundi. He outruns him, and he's off to the races down the left center channel. Uh, more maybe even in the left center center if you want to really be more exact. Uh, he's he's carrying the ball at pace. Goes for a left footed shot. The replay shows clearly, and I mean clearly, not even close. The replay couldn't be more clear that Franco Israel saves this one. This ball is saved and pushed wide by him and Pinedo, like only he can do, like only Portuguese referees can do, award a goal kick as if. If anybody is a conspiracy theorist, they're not doing a good job of dispelling it when it, it is clear that it, it's going to take everything for uh, Benfica to overcome this this deficit in this match. The There's not going to be a penalty. You already know you're not going to get a penalty. You know that you're going to have to score and hope that everything checks out, that there's nothing that they can roll back and call the goal back for. In the 71st, it gets done, though. Here it goes. The ball starts out on the right. It comes all the way across the face of goal. I think originally Ba made the cross. Nobody gets on the end of it. And actually, actually, Auschwitz gets taken down by Diamond. They collide with each other. He gets taken down by Diamond. Um, maybe not enough for a penalty, but definitely worth a shout. But if he could plays on, I like this. They didn't just stand there with their hands up. They play on. Grimaldo runs it down. Grimaldo looks. And uh, Auschwitz has gotten up. And Auschwitz comes. He finds his spot there. He comes from the right center to the left center channel. Across the face of goal. And as he's coming across, just maybe a step or two in front of the six-yard box. In front of the small area. Uh, Grimaldo whips in an outswinging ball right onto his forehead. All Auschwitz has to do is turn his head slightly so that he redirects it, and he redirects it perfectly into the far post. And I was excited at this point because I said to myself at this point, I watched this game alone. I wasn't letting nobody talk to me during this game. I shut off the devices. I shut off everything, and I'm watching this game totally in the zone, but I'm talking to myself the whole time. And right there I said, all right, that's one. We're going to get the next one. At the very least, we're going to draw. I believed at this point we were absolutely going to draw because I believed Sporting were going to make 
substitutions to react to this goal that were only going to play into our favor. Snap your fingers, and Ruben Amorim delivers. On comes Mateusz for Trincão, and on comes Hector Bellerin for Ricardo Isgayu. What a flop Hector Bellerin is. Absolute flop. This guy was a waste, and uh, he brought absolutely nothing to this match. And Benfica just grew in confidence. Benfica grew in territory. And Sporting, rather than reacting and going back to what was going well for them, they dropped deeper. Um, I do plan to listen, by the way, to the Sporting EN160 podcast this week. I do want to hear what those guys thought of it. Because um, I typically, I think they're very good at breaking down matches. And when I have watched in the past, especially in the derbies, I do listen to them after. And, you know, when you put the anti benfiquismo aside, their analysis is pretty good. And uh, I'm going to be interested to see if they're seeing this the way I am. That uh, Ruben really uh, bottled the second half. And, um, of course, uh, on the social media front, I mean, that's what I was seeing from Spartan fans, by and large, uh, pretty much uniformly saying that, that Ruben, you know, completely gave let us back into this game. And I think there's some truth to that. But uh, these substitutions didn't help them. They help us. And we continue to push forward. Uh, Gonçal Geds with an opportunity, right-footed shot from the left side of the box. And it was blocked. Uh, the shot was blocked, but he was set up by Auschwitz. Auschwitz was everywhere in this second half. Shikinu has an opportunity of his own, a right-footed shot. But that, it was way high. Like it, it says here, it was just high. It was way high. This was this one, you could have stacked two or three goals on top of each other, and it still would have been over. Um, moving towards the end here, uh, Paulinho with the right-footed shot from the right side of the six-yard box, which was saved in the top of the center by by um, Odiseish, by Vlakodimos. And Odi's going to have another big save here at the end. And you cannot criticize the first goal without recognizing that he, we don't tie 2-2 if not for his second save. So, again, we need fair and balanced uh, analysis and criticism. But he makes a save here, and I am remembering this one. I'm saying that Paulinho didn't really do anything. But Paulinho did have those two chances now that my mind is, is being refreshed. But still, I think Befica gained from that substitution by not having to worry about the breakout um, ability of, of Marcus Edwards. We keep moving now into the 79th, and, um, you know, more substitutions for uh, Ruben Amori. He decides to sub in a couple of trees, <laughs> Dario Isugu and Artur for Nuno Santos and for Morita. And really, he's just getting taller is what I saw. Again, I'm not not going to pretend to be incredibly familiar with these players, but it looks like he, he's playing to defend the cross. Uh, he's bringing in, like I call them, treetops. Okay, just pinhais, as we say in Portuguese, uh, or pinheiros, as we say in Portuguese, pine trees. Tall, tall trees <laughs> that can win the ball in the air. Uh, Befica continue to press on, and in the 81st minute, we get a surprising substitution, in my opinion. And again, why I, I kind of advocate for starting Florentino also is because if you are losing, he doesn't provide... Uh, that opportunity off of the bench that you need, he can if you're winning. So if you're you're not starting him, you're banking on getting a lead, you know. And and I can see why Roger would be planning to get a lead because that's what's happened in the last couple matches. 
and Florentino has been a- able to come in and 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 apply cover to help hold the lead. But now we needed a goal, and truth is, he's out of he's out of uh, options on the bench for attack minded play for attacking midfield play. But uh, he sees that Chiquinho needs to come off, and he rolls the dice on on Florentino. And guess what? Florentino, in a short stint here, was impactful. Like I said, he's going to be crucial in the goal. He he's going to get an you know an un uh, unrecognized assist, if you will, an unsung hero play here for Florentino Luis. He replaces Chiquinho. But you can also say, on the other hand, that Tino coming in allows the rest of the midfield to kind of not worry about any defensive responsibilities anymore. Yes, we're chasing the game. Yes, we're behind. It doesn't mean you throw all caution to the wind yet and leave yourself exposed because a third goal ends it. Um, And again, as I talked to myself through the second half, what I did say out loud to myself, I'm losing my mind as you can tell, I said out loud to myself that if they don't get the third, we will get the second in pole level. And that ultimately, I mean, this game just looked that way. You could see it. One or the other was going to happen. I didn't think this one was going to stay 2-1. to one. It was either going to be 3-1 to one or 2-2. Two to two. And um, Tino coming in does la- allow Jonevge to roam more and be less positional, be less static. And I think that made a difference here. As if you could start to get more and more, uh, more, and more opportunities. Uh, Sparthing with a little bit of a counter, trying to find that third, but unable to do it. Um, we we see a substitution in the 86th as well. And this one, I, I didn't like this one, to be honest with you, at the time. I didn't understand it. Not sure I understand it now either. It's been over 24 hours now, and it, I don't, it, this doesn't make sense to me to take to take Grimaldo off, the guy who who is best delivering crosses in this game, uh, and bring on Mihailo Ristic. Um, I don't know. I don't think uh, Grimaldo is looking to come out. He didn't seem fatigued, but perhaps Roger's just looking to throw something at Sporting that they're not ready for. Um, maybe the fresh legs made the difference in the end. I mean, Ristic was, was, you know, he was part of part of the play so and he didn't hurt us in any way I still I I don't like the idea of taking your top assist guy off with four minutes to go in in before stoppage time and immediately following the substitution is the save I was talking about huge save from Odie close range Hector Bellerin okay so I guess he did one thing he played this brilliant through ball in to Paulinho and Paulinho uh has it saved by Odi goes off for a corner but that for me is worth the the point we we collected in this match you can blame him on the first goal but he didn't give that goal up alone he made this save alone okay and I know he doesn't have many fans left in the fan base. I get that. But the fact of the matter is we don't have another keeper right now. And uh, no, I don't believe we should be starting Samu and putting that kind of pressure on a kid who's played no minutes in the first division this year um, in the final game of the season. That's, again, just that's emotion talking. That is just uh, anger talking. That is you know, again, hot Latin blood that we have in Port- uh, that we Portuguese people have, but it's not rational. And um, 
it's a big save here for Odie, okay? If you're going to criticize, and rightfully so, you also have to realize and you have to point to the times that he, he makes the save. And this was really a point that he helped us keep um, down the stretch because if if he doesn't make this save, it's 3-1 and this game is over. It's three points to Sporting, and we go into this last game needing all three points to guarantee a title, Okay. And this is why, at this point, my mind is is focused on we have to get the set, we have to get a point out of this, because we cannot, we just cannot leave it down to the last match to need a victory, because Santa Clara will just put ten men in the area, and we struggle badly enough already against that type of a of a setup. At least knowing we can draw takes some of that pressure away. There's no doubt about it. Um, yes, we want to win. Of course we want to win. We want to win it by as many goals as possible. But um, a draw mathematically gives us the title unless Porto win by 11 goals, which maybe Taremi will get 12 penalty kicks this week. It wouldn't shock me one bit. I mean, if, if I were a Porto fan, I'd be embarrassed to win the way they win. I'm sorry. Four penalty kicks in one match. And I'd be embarrassed that my players accepting a Golden Boot award like that. I'd be embarrassed that my team won like that. Um, that is that is just it. I I mean I love this game too much to support a club like that. But that's off the that's off the uh, topic. Uh, in the 90th, David Nerj has a left-footed shot, but it's blocked. Boss sets him up, but again, Sporting and all their trees that they put on the pitch are just blocking everything. Uh, Gonzalo Nasio with the block on that one, and on uh, on sorry, he blocks a right-footed shot from Petar Musa in the 90th plus two, conceding a corner. Again, Benfica with endless corners and just nothing coming from them in this game. This is a reoccurring thing. Uh, this is uh, again something else that needs to improve next season. Ba winning a free kick in uh, the defensive half in the 90th plus three. Uh, he's fouled by Artur Gomes. And um, then Gonçal Gedge is fouled up the field. This is when I lost my mind with him. He gets he gets kicked by Isugu. And in, he gets up and just puts his arm around Isugu. And, it, and it's like, come on. The season is on the line. The title is on the line. Stop being so damn nice to these people. Let's go for it here. And finally, we get, we get the opportunity here off of this free kick. Okay, so... Um, I think the free kick is originally taken by. It was Auschnitz who takes the set piece. Again, I just rewatched it. I hit pause on the recording and I rewatched it. Auschnitz takes the set piece. This is a well done set piece, actually. Um, goes to the far post to Otamendi. Otamendi heads it back across the face of goal so that it drops right around the penalty spot. Florentino gets on the end of it and his first shot is blocked. Uh, Tino's shot is is blocked, um, and then, and then, although Fatmob says Musa made the the pa- made the heading pass, let's see that again. I'm gonna watch that one more time. Here's the live action. I'm gonna watch that cross one more time. It looked like Otamendi to me. No, it is Musa. Okay, so it's Musa that wins the ball at the at the corner of the small area. Heads it back across goal. Florentino gets on it. His shot is blocked. But as he's down on the ground, both Tino and uh, both Tino and the Sporting player Diamond are on the ground. Tino manages to reach out and poke it, 
again, which creates another rebound that falls to Zhronevs. Zhronevs shoots it. Um, Israel saves it. And then Zhronevs gets his own rebound and buries it in the top corner. And it is 2-2. And I thought for sure, because <laughs> when Tino was fighting for the ball uh, after it was headed back across goal by Musa, uh, Quach is already on the ground. He's already complaining. He's he's got his arms way up. He's and he's instead of getting up and playing ball, he stays there with his arms down. There's absolutely no foul on the play. It's not even close to a foul. He he runs towards he runs towards Tino and throws himself onto the ground trying to get a foul. Bem feito, Quach. Bem feito. This is what you deserve. And then. Uh, He's not there to clear the ball when, when Tino's shot is blocked because he's on the ground being a baby. And then it finds João Neves. Of course, Sporting issues an official comunicado today and removes any shell. You know, there was a great American president once named Abraham Lincoln in the 1860s, right? And he said, it's better to be quiet and to have people think you're an idiot than to speak and to remove all doubt. Sporting's communications department come out with the comunicado and remove all doubt. They are a bunch of idiots. They're calling for a clear offside on this play for Florentino. Now, Florentino is offside, not on the correct play. The ball is knocked diagonally. Musa is in is very much onside. Musa heads it backwards, okay? Florentino now has the entire Sporting team in front of him. Okay, once that ball is headed back, it's a new play. It doesn't matter where he was when the original diagonal ball was played. Once it's headed back, it doesn't matter. Tino is very much onside, and trust me, if they could call that an offside, and I'm surprised they didn't, because this is Portuguese referees, and this is Hugo Miguel, of course, in the VAR booth, they would have. If they could have found something that they could actually defend, to, to overturn this goal, they certainly would have. That said, I am completely flabbergasted and shocked that this goal was not, uh, was not <laughs> overruled and was not reversed by the VAR. But uh, John Snows gets on the board, gets his first senior goal. How huge is that? Absolutely huge goal for João Neves in the dying minutes. He gives Benfica a chance. And you know what? At this point, there was still four minutes left because it took uh, three to, to review it on the VAR. But, um, again, Sporting goes into time-wasting mode. And Pinedo blows the whistle for everything. Every time they'd go down, he'd call a foul. And they run out the clock. This one finishes 2-2. Two to two. A share of the spoils to each. And Benfica do pick up a... what. Could end up being a crucial point, depending what happens this coming weekend. Let's look at the goal point uh, ratings now for this match. Okay, starting with with Sporting, of course. Uh, Sporting with a 2.5 uh, xG in this one, a team rating of 5.69. Uh, 
uh, average team rating, I should say. Israel, the goalkeeper, 5.1. Ishgayu, 6.9. Deamond, 5.9. Kovac, 5.0. Gonzalo Inacio, 5.7. And Nuno Santos, 5.2. They only give him credit for, yeah, I guess it is only one assist. Uh, the first one's not an assist because it was a misplay by Antonio Silva. Uh, which takes the assist away. Plus, Oli made the original save and the goal went in off the rebound. I'm counting it as two assists because that cross ends up being the reason. But that's right. On the stat sheet, it is only one assist for Nuno Santos. Pot, invisible in this match. 4.4. Morita, 7.0. He was good. He was Sporting's highest rated player. Ugarte, 6.7. Marcus Edwards, 4.7. And Trincão, 6.6. Off the bench, Paulinho, 5.6. Mateus Reis, 5.1. Hector Bellerin, 6.4. Isugu, 5.2. And Artur Gomes, 4.7. For Benfica, Odi has a 6.1 in goal. Uh, considering he surrendered two goals, I mean, and I think that second one, absolutely nothing he could have done. Oceanus, 6.0. Antonio Silva, 5.4, a, a low rating for him of what we've come to expect. But Otamendi, a massive 7.5, man of the match on goal point, Nico Otamendi. Uh, so many clearances in this one. I'm sure I'll, I'll read his individual stat line in a moment when I scroll down. Grimaldo, 7.3 with an assist. Nerj, 4.5. Chiquinho, 4.9. João Neves, John Snows, 6.8. João Mario, 4.9. Rafa 4.3 and Ramuz 5.2 off the bench. Ba 5.5, Gedge 5.4, Musa 5.5 and Florentino 5.6. Ristich was not on the pitch long enough to register a rating. Now we look at the. F- I read you the first half stats earlier. Here is the match stats at the end of the match. Benfica end up winning uh, most of the statistical categories. Total shots, Benfica 18 to 14. Shots on goal, though, it's Sporting 7 to 5 with the advantage. Actions in the opponent's area 34 to 26 in Benfica's favor. Remember what I read earlier about the first half. In the first half, Sporting had 17 actions in the opponent's area. And Sporting would only collect six, uh, sorry, would only collect nine more the rest of the match. While Benfica in the second half had a total of 20, a total of 25 actions in the opponent. Almost as many, Benfica had almost as many actions in the opponent's area in the second half as, as Sporting did in the entire match. Corners ended tied 7-7. Pass efficiency, slight advantage to Sporting, 84-83%. Vertical pass efficiency, though, Benfica winning that one slightly, 73-71%. Actions in the opponent's midfield, Benfica ended the match with 21-13 advantage in that category. Sporting committed 14 fouls, Benfica 16. Possession ended up being 51-49 in Sporting's favor. Much more where you would expect it to be. In um, this match, in this circumstance, um, moving forward and looking at just some of the other uh, statistics here, we look at the top tendencies of passes. Again, I like looking at this; it tells a story. And uh, the top one actually was from Sporting, and it was Gonzalo Inacio to Nuno Santos. So from the left center to the left, while the re- in re- in the reverse direction. Um, well, in the reverse direction, it didn't go very many times um, as it's not one of the top five tendencies. 
But Ugarte to Inacio 11 times. And um, it was it was Coates uh, to Inacio 10 times. And Diamond to Ugarte 10 times. Israel to Diamond at 9 times. The goalkeeper played it to his right center back. Or left center back. I'm sorry. Um, no, his right center back. That tells the story a little bit there from Sporting for Benfica. The top, the most frequent pass was from Otamendi to Grimaldo. And then Grimaldo to Auschwitz. So Grimaldo's in the middle of a lot of this. Uh, Otamendi to Grimaldo 13 times. Then Grimaldo to Auschwitz 11 times. Then Grimaldo to Nerj 11 times. And Grimaldo from Chiquinho 10 times. Grimaldo is all over this statistic. And uh, he was a key guy in this attack. No question about it. Um... Sporting, once once Ba came on, Sporting were not able to force us down the right the same way. And that, that's that been the blueprint everyone has tried to follow since the Porto match. And once Ba comes back on it, you can you can throw that blueprint out the window. And uh, that leaves me confident for next week, of course, for next next Saturday's match. Um, again, it, it's it's just... Very good to have him back, let me tell you. He's so important to us going forward. It's not always pretty looking, but he's just so dangerous going forward. And um, it's good to have Auschwitz back in his in his position as well. But that that is where the past tendencies went. Well, I'm looking right now at Otamendi's heat map. And uh, from the dead center to the left center, from our goal line to midfield, is all colored in his heat map. Um, 92% pass efficiency for the world champion. That is impressive out of a center back. Uh, he attend attempted six long balls and connected six long balls. Long ball football podcast. Shout out to those guys, to Albert and Barney. Uh, there you go. See, I can do that too. I can give you guys a free plug every time we, we mention a long ball. Uh, he can, again, six for six on those long ones. Um Here's a, an interesting stat for Otamendi as well. Defensive actions in the opponent's midfield, four. So four times he was up towards mid, up past midfield and winning balls. He had four steals, four interceptions, um, six clearances, and 11 times he recovered uh, possession for Benfica. Massive, massive match for the captain. He really wants to be champion. What the future holds for him, we don't know. But he definitely wants to raise that trophy next next Saturday and be a champion with Benfica, and he deserves it. He has he has been our center back through some tough times, and he has held us together um, through some tough times, and he deserves to be captain of a champion, no question about it. Um, that really is the statistical breakdown. Again, um, Goalpoint did tweet this in the 76th minute while we were still losing. Grimaldo was leading in uh, five different categories in this match. Um, clear chances created three. Passes for a shot, five. Um, if effective cr uh, crosses or completed crosses, four. Um, they call it pass super progressive, so super forward passes, uh, three. And forward drives, three. Grimaldo was massive in this match. So was João Neves. He had a 6.8 with a goal. Three shots on three shots attempted, two of them on goal. Six 
He had six um, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield, three steals, four blocked passes or crosses, one blocked shot, and nine times John Snow's recovered possession for Benfica in, in this match. Uh, second half, he was very good. First half, it almost looked like the every, the match was a little bit, the occasion was a little bit uh, big for him. He was in a little over his head, but he settled in as the match went on and as the team played better, so did he. And, uh, yeah, he gets the equalizer, a goal he's definitely going to remember forever, I mean, the, his first professional goal, just like Jerome Felix getting his first senior goal and to do it against Sporting. Um, there's a couple of uh, couple of, of comparisons there or a couple of uh, similarities between the Joins, the two, the two Johnnies, if you will. And uh, Jean Felix's brother, Hugo Felix, did tweet that out. He said, Jean scoring against Sporting. Hmm. As he tweeted that out at, uh, at the end of the match. So this one finishes, like I said, 2-2. Two to two. The other matches in the league this week in the round, starting on Friday, Maritimu 1-0 winners over Vizela. Maritimu are headed for the playoff. They know that. They're going to play Estrela da Madura. That we know already. Um, they're obviously at this point, they're looking to just get as sharp as possible. I like them to get by Strela and stay in the league. To be honest with you, I think that their massive support is going to be the difference. Plus the, the word on the street is that if Strela come up, it's yet another team playing at Jamur next year. And how about this for a record crowd at um, at the Stadio dos Barreiros in Funchal, 10,181 in attendance in Funchal to support uh, Maritimo as they pick. And this is after they can't avoid the playoff. They can't go any higher now, and they're still behind their team, showing them that, uh, showing them that love, showing them that support. I just wish they traded Benfica. If they treated Benfica fans better, I would have less hostility towards Maritimo at this point. Uh, but a mass, but a good performance, a win over Vizela, and uh, they're looking to continue to find their form and get ready for that playoff. Um, now we move to Saturday's matches. Oroca, the Europa League bound Oroca, get a penalty and Silla will will convert it. And they will, in front of a massive 1,993 people, yes, less than 2,000 people, for a team that's headed to the Europa Conference League. <sighs> Says everything you need to know about this league. And this isn't an insult at the players. This isn't an insult at the coaching staff. This has nothing to do with their play on the field. Merely the fact that um, these attendance figures are pathetic. And it's not that it's because it's a small stadium, because that is still only about 35 to 40% of their total allotment. So um, they had over 4,000. Uh, they had nearly 5,000 in the house against Porto. So, again, um, their own fans aren't even, their own town isn't behind them, and they're going to go to play in Europe. I, I see how it's a great story in one light, but it's a sad story in another. Santa Clara at home. Let's see what their attendance was for this massive one. As they did beat Portimonense already relegated. And funny, I mentioned that I was at the, I was at the 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 Portuguese Music Awards on Saturday, and uh, the believe it or not, the presenter for the best Fadu song of 2023 was in fact the president of Santa Clara, 
And uh, he came out to a mixed a mixed reaction. Now, if you don't know here where I live in this part of the United States, probably the largest um, the largest um, the largest diaspora of Azorians and um, the majority of the Azorians here, although all the islands are represented in the area, the largest is definitely San Miguel. And the Mikalenses were, uh, there was plenty of booze for this president. So um, there were some cheers. Someone said a, a Vivo Santa Clara. I shouted, make sure you lose next Saturday. <laughs> I did, I swear. It got quiet and I shouted that out in Portuguese. I said, you know, next week is to lose. And I got a few applauses and laughs. But um, yeah, the, the, their massive support of 635 fans. We're in the Stadio de São Miguel in Ponta Delgada. What the hell is going on in São Miguel with Santa Clara? Somebody enlighten me. Why Why does nobody go to, the, to see these matches? It makes no sense. I mean, the, you're about to lose first division football maybe for years. It could be decades. Who knows if they'll get back anytime soon. Um there's nothing there that indicates Santa Clara are a favorite to come back next year. And uh, 635 people go to watch them win this match. Very sad. And and I have deep sympathies for Santa Clara. Aside from Benfica and Caldas, they're probably my next favorite team. Okay, I want the Azores to be represented in the first division. My mother is Azorian. I want this team to be in the first division. But it's not going to happen, and they better not get any ideas of trying to pull an upset on their way to the second division next week. That's all I have to say. Boavista versus Braga at the Bessa. This one finishes 1-1, and this one is played in front of 9,265. Still not good enough for a club the size of Boavista's in a stadium that holds 25,000 or more. Um, and against a Braga team that's fighting to go to Champions League, it's fighting for that third place. I don't know. They probably didn't even open more seats than that, to be honest with you. And that's when I lose my patience with Portuguese football. And that's where I can't support these smaller clubs when they play in European competitions. I mean, how this attitude of not wanting people in the stadium, I just don't support it. The goal is to sell tickets or to, if you can't sell them, give them away. It's to put people in the stands. You want to sell a television product, you can't sell it with empty stadiums. I'm done. Okay. Family Cão Porto, as you know, um, a total of whatever. A numerous number of penalties in this one. Um, congratulations to the referee. You made yourself the man of the match for this one. Uh, Porto win 42. Whatever. Whatever. Sunday, Vitória Guimarães, 1-0 winners over Gilles Vicente. They were already in Europe, and um, they continue to win. Hey, maybe maybe they'll go to the they're going. If there's one team I trust to defend their badge and to defend their honor against Porto, it is Vitória Guimarães. So um, I hope that it happens for them this week, and I hope they take a point. Um, they deserve it. Finish that season on a high. 
Um, most likely the refs will screw them, though. That's most likely. Everyone knows that. Um, you can't deny it. They, these referees find a way to help Porto week in and week out. There's no denying it anymore. Stop pretending and stop trying to find justifications. <sighs> Casapia versus Istoril in Leiria because their borrowed stadium of of um, the Jamor was being used for the Liga Trish final that day. And hey, hey who would have thought moving the mat, taking two teams from Greater Lisbon to Leiria would result in 302 fans? 302 fans. I played against I've played in bigger crowds than that. My goodness. That's half what Santa Clara drew. I don't care that it's in Leiria. There should be more than 300 fans at any football match. I know no one from Leiria was there because they were at Jamur, but still. I mean, come on. Again. Who is going to buy this as a television product? This one finishes 2-2. A share of the spoils to each. And Pasos uh, Fajeda, 3-1 winners at home. They're going down, but they're continuing to win. And just to show you what healthy support looks like for a team that's already relegated, 2,032 show up in their stadium. That is, uh, I think, 60 or so percent of their house. I think they hold about 3,800 or so. So um, I actually expected that number to be bigger, but I think Pastor Fajero will be back. I think they'll be back sooner rather than later. And, uh, yeah, that 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 is round 33. In the Portuguese Liga, let's look at the table now. Benfica still top, 84 points. A Now the goal difference comes in, into play because our goal difference is plus uh, 59. And we, are, we have scored nine goals more than Porto. So Porto need to win by 11 goals to pull level with us. Um... And actually, a baller released all of the different scenarios. I'll run them down for you quickly. So, what we need to do, obviously, is win. But if we don't win, if we draw, if we draw, Porto need to win and make up that 11-goal difference. Now, if we draw nil-nil and they score 11 goals, obviously, that puts them at 81 goals and that puts them ahead of us. Uh, because the next tiebreaker, if it's tied, is goals scored. If Benfica draw 1-1 and Porto win 11-0, that then makes, uh, let's see, that puts us at still losing the tiebreaker because they'll have 81 goals and and we'll have 80. So Benfica, if they're going to draw, want to draw (laughs) 2-2, this is insane to even be talking about these possibilities, but they want to draw 2-2. If Benfica draws 2-2, this is what happens. The only result that could make this happen, but it's possible. If Benfica draw 2-2 and Porto win 11-0, Benfica and Porto will be tied on all fronts, and it will force a playoff to decide the title on a neutral pitch. There's There can't be a single Benfica that, they, that wants to see that. Anybody but them. And we know that. We do not want more matches against them. So Benfica need to win this match because never underestimate how many penalties Porto can be awarded to get the goals they need. Um, If it finishes 3-3, if Benfica draw 3-3, Porto will then need to win 
by 12 goals, or if they win 12-1, again, we'll have a, what they call a finalissima. Okay, so you get the idea. There is an opportunity for a playoff or a finalissima if the teams finish tied on points, goals, scored, and goal difference. That can only happen, though, if Porto make up an 11-goal difference. And I joke, but I'm... I'm not going to say they can't do it because uh, they've uh, that came out today as well. They have f- four times in their history won 11 by 11 goals before. Oh, boy. Benfica just need to win this match. Um, I'm not even going to read the, the leading goal scorers because it's a sham. That trophy ha- no longer has any value when you just hand out penalties like that and give it to Taremi. has no value. Okay, so that that is it, and I think that's it for this episode. Um Dropping the rest of this week. I'm going to try to get some more episodes for you out this week. Uh, Wednesday. is my, my plan is for Wednesday to get Liga 3 English out. I'm going to recap both the final from... I ended up not doing one over the weekend. Uh, and I decided that I will just cover both legs of the promotion playoff in the same episode. And I will also cover, of course, the Liga 3 final that was played this past Saturday. Congratulations um, to Union Leiria for winning the Liga 3 title. Union Leiria and Bolognese are promoted. And Lank Villaverdense will uh, meet right now. It's looking like it'll be B-Sad, but they'll meet the 16th place team from the Liga 2. But I'll get into that on Wednesday. Plus, I got a women's episode coming very soon. And uh, maybe some basketball coverage as well. Some special bonus coverage covering uh, the basketball team here in the playoffs. Uh, they're up two games to none now on Overens, But today it did take overtime to beat Overens. Um They'll go to game three next week. So if time allows, I will uh, get some content out for them as well. Futsal also in the playoffs. Um, maybe I'll have a Motley Dodge episode then just since there's so many playoffs going on right now. Uh, not sure yet. Just stay tuned to the channel and I'll, I'll get out what I can, but this is it for episode 164. Thank you for joining. Um, unfortunately we are not champions yet. I have every faith, every ounce of faith that it will be on Saturday. We will be champions. We will win the 38 and, um, my mother always told me she had a saying in Portuguese when I used to get say I couldn't wait for Christmas, I couldn't wait for this. She always said in Portuguese, a melhor da festa é esperar por ela. The best part of the of the party is the wait, the build up. Okay. Um and I hope that that comes true this Saturday and um I look forward to just celebrating this title all day Saturday. I hope we will. I, I look forward to winning this match and uh, watching all of you crazies in Portugal fill the Marquês, watching you know footage from every city in town. What what people don't understand when Benfica win the title is the celebration is not just in Lisboa. It is in every village and every city and every town in Portugal and every city and every town in Cabo Verde and every city and every town in Angola, Mozambique, Timor. Okay, it's in Newark, New Jersey. It is in, it's in um, Fall River, Massachusetts. It's in Montreal, Quebec. It's in Toronto. No doubt, the casa, the the casa do Benfica in Toronto. The casa in London, where Jerome Felix uh, made an appearance last week and watched the derby at the casa do Benfica in London. The party will spill into the streets in all of these locations. I'm ready for it. 
Paris, France, the Champs d'Elysees. Befikish says, take to the streets if you live in these locations once we take care of our Azorian brothers on Saturday. And um, I have every I am I have every belief we're gonna win this match and we're gonna be champions. Kajega Benfica, Forza Benfica. You know, I, I had recorded. Let's hear real quickly. And I had meant to play this during the podcast. I'm gonna play it here on the outro. Uh let's we'll I'll leave you this episode uh hearing from Roger Schmidt's uh flash interview. This isn't all of it, this is part of it. But I like what he said here. Um have a listen. There's no need to. There is no need to translate. Here's Roger Schmidt, and I'll see you next time. If you love football, you love Benfica. Damo 38. Okay, good evening, uh, Roger Schmidt. Uh, Benfica did a good second half, but the first half was uh, really bad. Uh, can you understand why was it so bad? Yeah, of course I can understand. Um, I think uh, Sporting played very well first half. So especially in the in the basic topics, in the duels. Um, in the movements, I think they were fresher than us, um, and we were had problems to 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 be quick enough in in our legs, but also in our heads. So, I think the first half was clear for them. It was to be two zero down, um, and um, big respect for my team that they were able to change uh, the attitude, to change completely the. Um, the style of playing, I think the momentum then was for us and I think the players stayed forward until the last uh, second and it was very important for us to score also the second goal. I think we deserve to to, uh, to get one point because first half was for them, second half was for us. Um, was a was a uh, tough game. Um, so, one more game to go and uh, next week we have to do it. Frederick said that you had a good conversation in the halftime uh, with the team. Did you feel that Benfica was a bit relaxed at the beginning of the match? No, not relaxed. So you know, uh, I know I know how football is. We are not alone on the pitch. Huh? So football is uh, eleven against eleven. Both teams want the same. If you play away match uh, against a very good team from Sporting, you have to accept. If you are not on your top level and they they reach their uh, top level, they were very sharp. They also still have a goal. Could could reach uh, the Champions League qualification. So you have to um, you have to accept that sometimes the momentum is not there, and you have to stay calm you have to talk about a few topics you have to change a few tactical things and then you have to try to come back in the game and that's what we discussed in the halftime and I'm very happy that the players were able together also with the with the subs who came in to the, to turn uh, the game almost completely around the team grows uh, when you put power on the field and you put Arsenal a, a bit uh, ahead on the field. Do you regret starting today with with Arsenal uh, in the right back? No, I never regret because you know I have to make my decisions before the match, not uh, after the match. You can you can talk about the decisions after the match, but as a coach, you have to make your decisions. And um, I think I'm happy that. Uh, Alex is back, um, but he was out of the game for for six uh, six weeks. Um, so I think could not play 90 minutes. That was the decision um, that he came later in. in. Um, also Mikhailo, first time after his injury, uh, back on the pitch. So I think we needed today good substitutions and uh, the players that were there. Já está tudo a pedir Uma nova conversa
Yeah. 